0: Hi everybody, welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I am Kate, owner-founder of Be There in 5, LLC, namesake company, and also longtime fan of Crime Mob, who sings stilettos, pumps, the song I just played. And you know... I, back in the day, I feel like when I first got myself introduced to, you know, a bright-colored, patent-leathered, pointed-toed pump that I would buy at the local short pump marshals or TJ Maxx, and I'd wear it to high school, and I'd get high off that clacking in the hallways. Public school hallways can be like runways. Mine was no different. I thought out my outfits so carefully. I never repeated. I always mixed and matched. And to top it off, I had an embarrassingly extensive statement necklace collection so as it was almost my signature because i did work at the california pizza kitchen where we had to wear all black the only color i was allowed to you know inject into my ensemble was jewelry so it kind of became my thing at the cpk it kind of became you know a, a signature outfit piece of mine and in retrospect The vibe was a lot less high fashion and a lot more like Miss Frizzle, a la Magic School Bus. It was a little kitschy. Um, But, you know, I don't regret anything because you got to go through an evolution to find your style. And when I first was able to wear heels, I loved it and I wore them all the time. And I kind of it was almost in response to feeling too tall my whole life. Then once everyone kind of caught up, I really enjoyed being tall. But the further I get into adulthood, and I think I've mentioned this before, the more exciting it is to me to be the most casual person in the room with the try-hardest face and hair. Because the try-hardest outfit sticks out like a sore thumb. The try-hardest face and hair is just like, I don't know, they could just assume I'm a natural beauty. Far from it. This mug took hours. Oh, speaking of, did you guys see Mugshot Bay this week? Sorry, I'm taking a sip of coffee. I never do this. But it's early today. I started recording um, yesterday, but I had to re-record because my voice is really groggy at the beginning. Because I started recording immediately after Bethany posted a photo of Cookie and Dennis, and it, it was triggering. I have always found great comfort in that my grandmother, my late grandmother, and my dog, my late dog, Daisy May, are together in heaven because they loved each other so much, and something about the idea of a beloved pet... Had a connection with somebody being there together is just like is is such a pleasant thought i don't care to ever try and debunk it um and yeah i was feeling a little emotional but anyway uh, this week there was someone called mugshot bay and uh basically it was a girl that i think had like a small marijuana charge it was like under two grams of marijuana And she has this glam mugshot and she is just rocking the most fierce, warm, smoky I've ever seen. It's like a nice sunset, maybe an orange cut crease of really, you know, solid, medium weight lash and perfect skin. And people are like, oh, my gosh, who is this girl? Like she's it's kind of like the hot felon thing. I, I don't know who out there on the Internet is just like trolling all the local county mugshots for the next Internet sensation. But, you know, if the charges aren't serious, I support it. Felonies don't support him. Still really upset that Jeremy Meeks is somehow still in his fifteen minutes and he'll stay in it because he married. He's going to marry or did marry. Or maybe they're pregnant. I don't know. Chloe. What's her name? The Top Shop heiress, billionaires. Chloe something. So, you know, the internet can change your life, I guess. I still have not really found my viral moment. Be there and five had a viral moment in like twenty fifteen. It was exciting, but also I didn't really enjoy it because it was really stressful trying to like make enough mats for the inquiries and then the time passes and you kind of miss your moment so it's this weird balance you know like mason ramsey somehow he's able to capitalize that yodeling walmart kid how that guy was able to like I, i it just seemed too locked and loaded for me like he yodels in a walmart it goes online he's on ellen the next day florida georgia line has written him a song he's at coachella two days later i'm like this is moving so fast i wouldn't if I were his parents or I think he lives with his grandparents or if it were me, I'd, I'd be like in contract discussions for like three to six weeks and making sure it was everything that I felt I needed and then my would passed. So that's how people get taken advantage of, you know? When your star is rising, you just feel so indebted to anybody that's going to give you a shot, but then too much time passes and you're like, yeah, they got me here in the first place, but I've been working ever since. I read a blind item today that Kanye West like, owes his fortune to Jay-Z like he must assign something that a lot of his proceeds from music somehow tie back to Jay-Z's label um and that's like a big reason of why their friendship had a had a moment of stalling but also I read that he's on so much medication he's like a straight zombie like he just stares at walls for hours and that makes me kind of sad but he's openly bipolar and I think that that's kind of can be something that you face when medicating mental illness is that kind of numbing factor and, and weighing if that is the better way to live than operating in extremes. And more often than not, it is the safer and more stable way to live. But I'm sure it's incredibly hard for artists, um, to feel like they're not able to access their natural emotions. You know, I'd imagine that's like a really big battle, um, But anyway, I was also reading in the blinds that um, uh, Vanessa Hudgens, she wore a Marquesa dress last week. Which she's the second person since the Weinstein scandal. So Georgina Chapman is Harvey Weinstein's pending ex-wife, the uh, uh, co-owner, co-founder of Marquesa. Beautiful, beautiful dresses. Um, And only Scarlett Johansson and now Vanessa Hudgens have worn them since the scandal. It's a tricky thing. And I've been a little outspoken about Georgina Chapman, maybe a little out of turn. You know, if anyone ever contests me about business marriages, like people being married just to kind of like up their star factor or to have an empire or staying together for reasons other than love, but because your mutual value is, is a lot higher than you individually or having a wife sometimes helps people's credibility. It helps like you kind of offset their creep factor. You're like, well, he's married he has kids, but like that means nothing apparently. Um, anyways, if you ever contest the idea of there being like business marriages, just look at Harvey Weinstein and Georgina Chapman. She is like a beautiful, angelic, talented English woman. That seems to be a great mom. And has two kids and is incredible style and is business savvy and all that stuff. And I, she has no reason, like, I'm, honestly, like, if what we learned about Harvey Weinstein is so damning and so disgusting and so rampant, there's no way somebody didn't pull her aside in a bathroom and be like, hey, your husband's a monster. He's abusing women. He's taking women to his hotel room. When you're, he's on the road. Do you have any idea what he's doing? Like, someone at some point had to say something. And, Whether or not she chose to turn a blind eye, I I think a a lot of women probably do that because it's easier and if you've been married for a while and it's not like you're, you know, that intimate anymore anyway and they're on the road and you're doing your own thing, like, maybe people don't care. Very hard for me to understand. I, I, I don't care in a sense that if that happened to me, I would set my house on fire. Like, is that chill? I don't know. I would be furious. And... She really did play dumb and maybe, and I'm not saying she knew, I'm not saying she was complicit. I'm not saying like whatever, but I just, I don't know. Either her friends are awful. She didn't understand the extent of what was going on, or she is also awful. There's really no other possible circumstance. It's either you have no idea, you kind of know, but either don't know all of it or, you know, and you choose to look the other way so i you know i'd be heartbroken if i were her so i don't want to speak out of turn but um so i don't i don't really know how i feel about marquesa having to suffer harvey's consequences but the problem is is that harvey coerced the stars of his movies to wear her label and her label it's like a, even though it's like a couture fashion house it didn't come out till 2004 or 2005 i mean most labels are you know like she doesn't even have anything that qualifies for vintage most labels are I don't know. I mean, I'd assume most couture fashion houses have been in the business for like 30, 40 years at least. Their age is kind of what become, what behooves them. Is that the right word? Because if it were more acceptable to be like, you know, brand spanking new, meaning last 20 years in high fashion, then why wouldn't Jessica McClintock be killing the game? You know, just wait in 2030. Vintage is uh, the red carpets are going to be covered in two piece, like taffeta and or satin, primary color, eye blindingly bright gowns with like uh, detachable bodice from skirt that has is rhinestone studded, kind of an unflattering straight neckline, a zippered back, an A line skirt, and maybe like a contrast black belt that looks god awful, but maybe matches the trim of the separate tube top. And people are just going to be like, oh, my gosh, she was so ahead of her time. She was the true feminist. She enabled us one day a year to expose our shoulders. No midriff, just shoulders. For for one moment, I stood up straight due to, due to, the, due to that semi-uncomfortable but necessary boning in those detachable bodices. I have fond memories of going to, like, the Hex or Dillard's or Macy's with my friends' moms and them... Making uncomfortable comments about something flattering our figures and being like, is figure something I'll start to say when I'm older? And, you know, I still don't really think I've I've started. I... I it, these dresses were so important because they were just fancy enough, but they weren't over the top. She introduced me to waist ruching, which for my pencil body type really made me feel like Jessica Rabbit, if only for a moment. And, I don't know. I just feel like if you can... Uh, use a significant amount of polyester in formal wear and still look like a million bucks you're the real star you know so hats off to jess but yeah back on topic uh it's clear harvey really did help a lot with marquesa in terms of when it started they had just gotten married i think he funded a lot of it he got a lot of stars in the dresses but it is completely her business otherwise so i don't really know how it's going to shake out and how it'll ultimately affect marquesa but I get it. I don't think people want the headlines. I don't think people want to have to field the questions about it. I think the me too movement is a thing where if you really like have a clean slate, you've outspoken in Hollywood. But then I think there's a lot of like casual non-vocal supporters that like, there's probably a lot of dirt on them. So they need to be a little bit careful not to be hypocritical. Like if I'm being totally honest, okay, well, let me take a step back. So I read a blind that Vanessa Hudgens, she, in like high school musical era she had nudes leak like random nudes like probably taken on a point and shoot camera it was like pretty early on i want to say it was maybe i don't know 2006 or 7 um and i had heard rumors like for a long time that weinstein leaked those because something fell through and you know it was kind of like a threat and then honestly my theory has always been that entire thing and part in the language called like the fappening or whatever when all that huge iCloud leak happened i've always been convinced that that wasn't um a million you know starlets individual iClouds getting hacked that was one like studio executive or producer that got hacked and all of those people had sent them nudes and my i think for me the one i'm the most curious about is if jennifer lawrence who is in all of Weinstein's movies, so many Miramax movies, if that has something to do with it. And now she's, of course, speaking out about him being very vocal, which, you know, as she should be. um, But I can't help but wonder if there's some common thread with all those photos that like came out all at once. But it's not like those hackers really, you know, have anyone to protect unless they were paid off. But I mean the whole thing is so messed up. It's it's it really is like somewhat of a sex crime to take photos of unwilling participants naked and put them on the internet. And I guess the problem is you can't find the hackers, but then it's like can it's weird how hard it is to scrub the internet, you know? Um but I guess what was always just weird to me about that whole thing is like the volume of people all at once. The that the fact that most of the pictures were from an, a time in the people's career when they were had kind of taken off but probably wanted to get to that next level and it's like if you've even kind of taken off you would think your people you would know better than to take naked pictures with your face in it um and it kind of always made me feel like well were they sending them to somebody that they thought could protect them or give them kind of immunity in some insular way in the industry you know it's just so interesting too how depending on how modest you are like the worst moment of your life when something is leaked is you know the same amount of skin, you know, on a Kardashian Christmas card. Like, Kendall went into that shoot, and I gotta say, she was professional. She was like such a delight and so on it compared to Courtney. Uh, it just shows, you know, she really is a legitimate model. But she was like smoldering over her shoulders, you know, spreading her legs, crouching down, laying on the floor centrally and looking past her. And I was like, this is your family <laughs> Christmas card. What are you doing? I sat on Santa's lap, which, now that I say that, it even sounds more sexual than Kendall, but mm, the latest I did it was probably when I was 14, which, yep, still track, Still still probably more creepily sexual than Kendall, but I didn't mean it. I was wearing a ribbed turtleneck. It was sleeveless. It was, it was pretty fierce for the time being, and a platform clog. My sister was wearing Old Navy performance fleece, which why she thought that was the right choice for a family portrait. we were going to surprise my parents with. I'll never know. It's <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, the blind item was saying Vanessa Hudgens was majorly paid off. And um, I don't know, apparently she got a nice big check or all's forgiven because her wearing that is a major, major favor to Weinstein and Marquesa. And then the other weird thing that happened this week is Azalea Banks, who's a rapper, was doing a collab with Grimes, who is dating Elon Musk, who, as far as I know, was kind of like a rebound from amber heard and she really wanted to go to the met Gala. i've heard she like worshipped in a winter i don't know it was kind of more of a convenient thing because she was kind of thirsty and um azealia banks goes off on this instagram story i think she deleted um at elon musk's house waiting for grimes saying Literally been sitting at Elon Musk's house alone for days waiting for Grimes to show up and start these sessions. I have no idea when she's coming back. I'm not going to wait one more day, then I'm going to go home. Then she says, LOL, I waited around all weekend while Grimes coddled her boyfriend for being too stupid to know not to go on Twitter while on acid. If you know, remember, Elon Musk was tweeting about how he he had funding secured to take Tesla private at $420 a share. And like that the only thing in the way would be a shareholder vote and it was just I don't know it's kind of like a weird thing to um like tweet about I don't know maybe this is to be discussed in a shareholders call maybe discuss it with the board first maybe have it be 100% and not just funding secured I'm thinking about it like it's just kind of a weird thing for a businessman to be tweeting so that kind of tracks to me and then she says then she, Grimes, had the nerve to go ghost and book me a first-class flight through Rock Nation as if she's big enough to send me out of L.A. Ha! And then she says... Hold on. Sorry. I lost it. Um, they're both two effing crackheads. He's tweeting on acid, effing up his own stocks and whatnot. A real-life dummy. And then she says... Something about how, like, she wasn't allowed to bring her boyfriend and she bets that it's because they wanted some sort of threesome thing and they could only be so lucky for her to, you know, or she would never put her lips on them. And then she says, LOL, Elon Musk is better off hiring an escort. At least an escort would have kept her mouth shut about his business. He's got some dirty sneaker. Okay, I'm not going to say that because that's mean. I don't know anything about Grimes. All because he needed a date to the Met Gala to hide his shrinking D from Amber Heard, LOL, an effing rebound. A beta male who took steroids and got hair plugs to convince himself he was alpha. There's no reason that in this collab with Grimes, I know so much about Elon Musk. Grimes is really an idiot. I mean, it's kind of a lot to take in. I don't know enough about Elon Musk's character, but I do know that that Thai cave diver questioned the legitimacy of his submarine device. And, you know, since he's a bajillion times more powerful, famous, wealthy, etc., you'd think he'd just keep quiet. But no, instead, he tweeted back at him that he was a pedo, which, you know, risky move, pretty tough on the British Thai cave diver that uh, I guess just, I don't know, felt like too much attention was perhaps on Elon Musk when he didn't even when the thing couldn't get there in time or be usable. And like, I wouldn't I don't know if I was there, I don't know if I want to mess with that guy. I don't know if, if he's willing to call, like, somewhat of a hero derogatory names. Not sure how he's going to feel about, you know, just a person that was going to collab with his girlfriend. I, uh, I don't know that I'd mess with a guy who has access to space. I don't know that I ha- I'd mess with a guy who could sabotage a self-driving car that exploded on me. I just don't think it's a good idea. He thinks the Earth is a simulation. He's one of those people that thinks, like, we literally live in a matrix. You know, believe what you want. Not saying we don't, but he's he's just kind of on a different level. And I just I, I would not mess with him if I were her. But I don't know what to think. But what's crazy to me is that this happened after Enti, the the entertainment lawyer from the blind item site, Crazy Days and Nights. He said on Saturday. This misspelled flowering financial institution. Okay, to break it down for you. Blind items talk in like code so you you have to like figure it out and guess it but typically in the comments someone gets it right and it's typically this person with the username trisha13 this is from crazydaysandnights.net um so when they say this misspelled flowering financial institution so azalea is a flower that is she misspells it spells it differently than the plant and then financial institution meaning bank so azalea banks um, it's expected to do some recording this weekend with this foreign-born one-named singer, Grimes. The thing is, though, the one-named singer is hanging out with her own bank, so to speak, and he is not a fan of our misspelled flower. So Grimes is hanging out with Elon Musk, who bankrolls her, and he's not a fan of Azalea. Oh, how I want them to be in the same room with the camera rolling. I really hope she knows what to ask and what to say. So, like, I would have maybe discredited Azalea Banks a smidge, Had I not seen this blind item, which is basically saying that this is that they're going to be making music together, collabing. And then she was at his house trying to do. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. Sometimes I think his stuff is so made up and sometimes it's so on point. I just don't know what to believe. But the problem is you read too many blind items. You feel like everyone in the world is a pedophile, has a horrible drug addiction problem. Or is lied and cheated and slept their way to the top. And that's just like a very tough world to live in. And I do think there are great people out there. That's why when he does nice blinds, blinds, like nice things people do in secret. I love them because I live for a celebrity seeming like nice or cool. I live for a charming interview. I am obsessed with listening to Howard Stern interviews because A, he's a fantastic interviewer and B, he gets things out of people that I don't think that they can prep for. So I feel like that's the most raw version of a person you're going to get. And I got to say, I listened to Gwyneth Paltrow's recently and I really liked her a lot more. Speaking of, I actually, um, I was cleaning out a bunch of stuff from my office. And um, if you recall last year, if you follow me on Instagram, there was a saga where I was talking through, you know, the perils of, um, having to limit yourself to one American girl doll. If your parents are normal people that don't want you to have all the main dolls, you know, the valuable ones, we didn't even know at that point it was prior to the Mattel buyout. And we could have been, you know, making money hand over fist. Have we not cut off their hair and undone, undone the braids. But I was talking about American girl dolls and how I had really doubled down on Kirsten because she looked like me. She was blonde, blonde hair, blue eyes, but You know, her her mattress stuffed with hay, wooden box, snowshoes and like super depressing stories about cholera on the boat over from Sweden weren't exactly, you know, the glam life of orphan Samantha, who had a four post bed and a grandmother named Grand Mary. And I was really, you know, I wanted Kirsten before. And it was and Kirsten was so special to me because my grandpa got her for me and I will love her forever. But I just remember as I got older and read all of her books and saw all of her furniture, I was just, you know, seeking something a little bit more glam. So like any incredible mother does when they don't want to get you the doll you want, they just get you the clothes and furniture and then you can like pretend to put your poor doll in a rich doll's context. So... And my mom would get me like bootleg American Girl doll furniture from I don't even know where I think the Burlington Coat Factory. And um, my w- one thing I like really wanted was Felicity because I'm from Virginia. We love the colonial era. I spent way too much time in Colonial Williamsburg as a child. And Felicity's, you know, Revolutionary War era like, essence really, really appealed to me. And as did her exotic red hair so long story short i was talking about on instagram you know how when i didn't get felicity for christmas like a total monster brat i like cried because i thought like santa was actively going against my wishes and so like my poor mom's like hugging me and consoling me she's santa and i feel so bad (laughs) to this day and um I was she'd gotten me Felicity's Christmas outfit though I really wanted this beautiful blue gown with this like um, lace bodice and like little bonnet with a blue ribbon and it came with a blue choker and I just really had been eyeing that so my mom got me the dress I thought the dress was knockoff like the furniture from the Burlington Coat Factory. But so I put this on my Instagram and then my mom watches it. She's like, no, that was the real dress. And I'm like, no, it's not. It has pink bows on the coverlet. It doesn't have this gorgeous white lace front and trim. And then I go online to these like, you know, mega fan Felicity fan sites and read into the depths. And indeed, for her Christmas dinner, she did have one swap out of this coverlet and it was the pink bows I had. I honestly had thought it was a boot-like dress this entire time, and I had to publicly apologize to my mother. So recently, I must have not caught this. She must have sent this to me. She gave me the paperwork that came with Felicity's Christmas gown. It's called the Palace Blue Gown. And upon reading it, it reads like an excerpt from Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop magazine. This bitch is pretentious. Let me read. The holiday season in Colonial Williamsburg was called Tide. The city bustled with activity. The Merrimans opened their home to family and friends for festive tea times and lavish meals. Felicity's mother decorated the house with holly and evergreen and Rose, the cook, prepared hearty meals for the guests. Must be nice to have a cook. Felicity and her friend Elizabeth baked shrewsbury cakes by scraping mountains of sugar from the blue wrapped sugar loaf and cutting the little cakes in shapes of moons and stars. Like, I totally can see her being like, you know, for a toddler's birthday party, the easiest thing to do is just, you know, bake a shrewsbury cake. Get mountains of sugar, blue wrap sugar loaf, cut the cakes in little shapes of moons and stars, and just, you know, have your cook bake them for 20 minutes at 350, then ice them for six hours with 14-karat gold, and then have all of your guests put on stickers that promote blood flow, because that's a thing. I don't know. Goop is crazy. Um, anyway, Capes in shapes of moons and stars, the cakes were served from a basket and offered to the many guests who stopped by for tea and holiday talk. But anyway... Then goes on to say, Felicity's Christmas tide in 1774 began with a splendid surprise, an invitation to a dancing lesson at the governor's palace in Williamsburg, given by Lord and Lady Dunmore. In Felicity's surprise, you will see how excited and nervous this invitation makes Felicity. She worries that she is not very graceful and will not dance well. And her good brown gown does not seem elegant enough for the palace, God forbid. Then she sees a beautiful blue silk gown trimmed trimmed with dainty white lace on a tiny fashion doll at the milliner's oh this is coming back to me i remember her doll she is certain that if she were dressed in a gown like that she could be a graceful young lady her dreams of the beautiful blue gown and the elegant dancing lesson at the palace fade when her mother becomes dreadfully ill felicity stays by her mother's side nursing her and praying for her recovery not even father's unexpected new year's gift can cheer felicity wait it ends wait what happens wait did her mother die did she ever wear the gown oh no oh no 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 copyright 1991 the pleasant company guys i need to research this asap it's interesting because i just i've read all of i've read most of the books i don't want to say all You know, sometimes a summer story was a little boring for me. As a kid that didn't want to go outside, I just wanted to hear about, like, the glamorous dinner parties. And, I don't know, imagine myself in a long nightgown and nightcap carrying a lit candle to my canopy bed and playing with all of my luxurious dolls while Grand Mary tucks me into bed. But, you know, Samantha was an orphan, and that is tough stuff. And, uh, you know, these girls dealt with a lot of stuff. Honestly, there's nothing like this anymore. And if there is, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not really in the young adult novel game, but um telling great american history stories through the eyes of young women is truly genius and important and it taught me everything i know about history i've said before if not for molly i would know nothing about world war ii i learned about victory gardens i learned about war bonds i learned about rations she hated turnips i even though molly was a bit of a narc she got up there on stage at the miss victory pageant and like showed us who she was she took out her braids and took off her glasses. And I, I've likened that to Rachel Lee Cook and Cheese, all that, because it's, it sends the wrong message to girls, that if you have braids or wear your hair up and wear glasses, that you are, in fact, a nerd, asexual nerd. And Molly looked smoking, you know, which is weird to say about a child doll, but she did on that stage for the Miss Victory pageant. She tapped in. She had blue bloomers. I loved that outfit. It was my sister's. I stole it all the time. And, like, really flashy stuff like that is why I really struggled with Kirsten, because... Like, Samantha had paper dolls. She had a tea set. Felicity had this, like, really cool Noah's Ark toy. She had this, like, red and white checkered canopy bed that looked like a picnic table. Samantha had a freaking, um, what's it called? What's it called when you, like, travel with a business suit or a nice dress? Like, my the only time I've ever traveled to one is with my wedding dress. A garment bag... Samantha was so freaking fancy she she her, her stuff came with garment bags she had a full like uh, cherry wood armoire that you could put her items in and I just said armoire like Chris Jenner says memoir armoire um but you know you get the gist like Molly had ro- roller skates and she like dabbled in knitting and at one point she had a dog like these these girls just had they were real renaissance women with their hobbies but then i'd wait with bated breath to get the catalog to see what kirsten was up to and it'd be like kirsten winter line 1991 kirsten gets a work dress after the long walk home from school kirsten changed into her work dress to help papa with chores you won't be able to put kirsten down all winter now that you have this limited edition bucket and ladle, her school desk was literally a log sawed in half. Her Molly and Samantha both had those, like, really cute vintage school desks, which is another piece of furniture my mom did get me because I was an insufferable brat of a child. But, like... I don't know. I wasn't trying to be pretentious. Sorry for wanting to have a fierce red cloak like Felicity had and Changes for Felicity. She looked like Little Red Riding Hood. It seemed really like magical to me. And then you know, I had begged so much for so many of these furniture pieces and outfits that by the time some of the later styles rolled around, whether it was Felicity in like a full green Paul Revere outfit or freaking Addie coming out, Addie had earrings. Do you know how exciting that was? I I, I was I just I couldn't ask for more stuff like. Josefina had a bread maker that is sick I wanted that bread maker so bad Uh, but I was starting to like age out a little bit and not I still played with them secretly for years and years to come but it is definitely an earlier, earlier elementary school thing and I definitely tuned out by the time kit was a thing because you know fab five or bust is it five Felicity Samantha Kirsten Molly Addy am I missing anybody some people would put Josefina. Josefina? Is this like a rejuvenate, rejuvenate thing? I mean, she was Mexican, so I assume it's Josefina, but I probably sound like a moron. I don't know. Maybe if I got the doll in the bread maker, I'd be a little more cultured. There's there's endless benefits to buying your children tons and tons of $84 dolls, which are now $100, with the hardcover books pushing 180 I do believe. I mean, these things are expensive, and you can't get these originals anymore, obviously, but... I don't know. What was so interesting about that American Girl discussion is it, it sparked a dialogue amongst my friends for me to judge them for the rest of my life, whom I did not know when I was younger. And I've come t- t- to realize that there's two types of people in this world. You sent your dolls to the doll hospital, or you just dealt with the fact that you ripped off the left arm and, you know, had to deal with the consequences. And many of my friends did indeed send their dolls to the doll hospital for like $99. And they came back with crutches and they came back with a bandage foot and they came back with a whole new wig of hair. And it's just, it's not fair in life. You cannot cut all your dolls hair off and then just pay some money and magically get new hair. I mean, technically you can, if you cut off your own hair, you could go get extensions, but it's not that easy. And again, you need money to do it. I just think there's, it's character building to ruin something really nice you have and it be irreparable and you have to suffer the consequences. And I am still suffering today that I cannot sell that doll for over $300 because it has a haircut that's a little bit DW from Arthur and like a little bit Kate Gosselin. Anyways, I just hope young women are still being, I hope they're still playing and interacting with things that are peppered with history or peppered with science or peppered with some uh, subject that is secretly engaging them in a curriculum that they don't even know they're absorbing. I had no idea how much I was learning about the important American event of immigration from Sweden to the greater Minneapolis, St. Paul area. (laughs) Like Kirsten, like Kirsten did. R.I.P. Marta. Anyway, it's funny because I just feel like I've always been so interested in like Uh, not i guess the right word isn't pop culture but it's like in i've always been so involved in stories of the things i have and it's like no surprise i'm obsessed with the housewives given that like i i was always pitting uh molly and kirsten against each other in my house like they were always almost on the outs and that phrase makes me think of that scene in the city um, do you remember Whitney Port's The City? Spinoff from the Hills, and that awful assistant at um where the heck did they work? Was it Teen Vogue? Or was that LC? Yeah, I think they still worked at Teen Vogue. Her name was Erin, and she was blonde and she kind of had this crooked face, but now I gather she's kind of successful. Well, also Emily. It was on that show. Who's the founder of Glossier, the famous makeup line. Um, So she's made a name for herself. I'm forgetting her last name. But anyways, Aaron, the blonde assistant with the swang, the side bang and the semi, you know, smug, crooked smile, Olivia Palermo. She was really mean to Olivia Palermo. And one time Olivia said, why are you trying to like pin us against each other? And Aaron was like, first of all, it's pit, not pin. And I never forgot that. I was like, whoa. That was scary. I always, I mean, Olivia wasn't super friendly, but I always, I don't know, I really liked how she dressed and I thought she was so beautiful and I really enjoyed watching her on television. And I think she's gotten nicer as she's gotten older. And she's still like in Daily Mail a lot with her model husband. Still has great outfits, still has great street style. She's kind of like my type. Like when I, you know how you have like your girl crushes, mine are always very petite Uh, boyish brunettes with a toothy grin. I don't mean boyish in a mean way. I just mean like kind of have that more androgynous fashion body that enables them to wear high-end clothing that is made, unfortunately, for unrealistically tiny, straight, not curvy people. And I wish it wasn't that way, but unfortunately it is. And, you know, I look forward to the day when I can pull off a backless chainmail halter top. (laughs) <laughs> what is it? 2004. I love how that's like the couture thing that comes to my mind. I think I thought of that because Kiara ferragni wears a lot of chainmail halter tops. I think too, the toothy petite brunette thing is also why I like caitlin Bristow so much. I just think she's just cute as a button. And I mentioned I'm worried about her and Sean. We've discussed this at great length in the Facebook group. Google will be there in five total, casual breezy Facebook group. If you want in, you do have to answer a question about the podcast to get in. um, And I'll put the link in the show notes. But she's answered several times to fans comments. And she responded to a tweet of a fan saying if you and Sean broke up, I'd be heartbroken. And she she responded saying you'd be heartbroken. Think about me. So I don't know, her tweets are cryptic. She's posting a lot of quotes. I think she's in Canada for a month for some visa reason. But their interactions are minimal. She's not wearing a ring. I feel like Maybe you know to quote the tabloids in two thousand five about Nick and Jessica. They're not headed to Splitsville, but they might be taking a little bit of time. I, as I've said, my conjecture is that he is working so hard on his businesses, and he has like five of them. So he, he's probably trying to make income. Like he, he needs a job. Like I get that. If I if I feel that panic every day of like I'm working on everything, but like what am, like nothing is. It materialized in a way that, like this is me this is what i do this is my sole source of income this is sustainable this is something that my family can rely on i understand that hysteria but if you're you know and especially with caitlin like i don't know i i've i've, met, I've voiced my concerns about the stability of influencer income i'm sure you kind of get to a weird place where you kind of quit what you did you abandon the skill sets you had acquired you're out of the game too long you've been selling products and podcasting and kind of doing vague public figure things but then if you're if the limelight loses interest in you what do you have and he has fitness and he's doing a good job trying to monetize that but i'd imagine it's hard getting off the ground so anyways a few people had asked me last week for an update on that that is my update i don't really know but i think they're still to get i don't think they've broken up but i do think something's up she doesn't she never talks about missing sean she only talks about missing tucker and i understand i would miss tugboat horribly if I left him for four weeks, but I also might, you know, give my, give the old ball and chain a shout out here and there. So we'll see. Anyway, what was I talking about? The city. Why was I talking about the city? Oh, and remember when, when Whitney fell in Hillary swing sapphire blue gown? That was so sad. <laughs> oh, I liked the city. Remember that the, the, the like Justin Bobby of the city? His name was Jay and he was Australian and he was in a band called Tamarama. (laughs) I saw him on the street when I lived in New York. It was like the least exciting star sighting ever. I mean, somehow less exciting than even seeing Doyle from Gilmore Girls on the subway. But um, and then she dated that guy, Freddie Fackelmeyer, which is an awesome last name. Oh, yeah. Here's some scoop. Kind of. I don't know. (laughs) I used to where I used to work. I was like vaguely involved in the TV industry and Um, a guy I worked with went to a casting for the city to be like one of her boyfriends or a guy that she goes on dates with and uh, he couldn't do it because we were like vaguely in the industry and it's a conflict of interest so like I felt so cool back in the day before the hills was confirmed as fake knowing that, you know, they casted these people. And because her and Jay had no chemistry. He was like this Australian rocker guy with like, I, she was just so proper. I don't know. Anyway, the I, the reason that I don't care about, uh, what's his name? Felicity of Barry Cavalleri. <laughs> what's her name? Shannon, the redhead with the cartoon tooth. I don't care about her boyfriend's country music career cuz to me it's very Jay from the city. It's like I I don't think you're going I I don't think this is the best route to build a music career. I I'm trying to think of an example of somebody who's had a le- legitimate music career out of a reality show. I mean love and hip hop Cardi B, but that's kind of a different brand than I don't know. It it just watching these like people play on very cavalleri or like Jay back in the day on the city it reminds me of uh rufus um what's it rufus was it rufus humphrey rufus humphrey dan humphrey's dad in gossip girl he was from like a one-hit wonder 90s band that kind of sound i I, i'd imagine they were kind of like a delimitri with Roll to me but dan humphrey's dad had a song that he wrote about kelly rutherford's characters what is her first name something vanderwoodson man i'm out of the game gossip girl wise um But the song was like, and every time you walk away, I'm running running around a piece of me with you there. It was so bad. I I remember the first couple seasons hearing constantly, and every time you walk away. (laughs) That's a girl was good, but then it got bad. I really only am a fan of the first three seasons. And Chuck Bass in his prime, though, in today's climate, I don't think people would love Chuck Bass, nor would they love Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. Two characters, like, very... Based on their player and horrible behavior toward women, which is more so done in a comedic and drama format, but like, I don't know. I just don't know if it would land this day and age because Chuck Bass was like a pretty bad guy that maybe was redeeming sometimes, but the fact that Ed Westwick actually has really horrible allegations against him makes me just not really want to rewatch it. And if you rewatch it knowing, you know, who is Gossip Girl is Gossip Girl, like, is that a spoiler? I feel like I shouldn't say it just in case you want to binge it because it is kind of a fun series um when you rewatch it it doesn't add up because like the 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 gossip girl is in the same place as the other people when they're like off i mean it just it doesn't it it doesn't track they decided who gossip girl was truly the last season i am convinced Why, why was i talking about that the city the mean girl aaron teen vogue i don't know a teen mag okay, wouldn't it be kind of interesting though i want to see a teen magazine like today i don't know if teen still exists. But, like 17 does or like i used to subscribe to girls life i used to sneak off to the cvs with my babysitting money and buy ym which my mom found out once and that was like one of the few times i remember her being really mad at me um because you know they have the on the cover it's like how to make him hot and it's like supposed to be for under 17 year olds which in retrospect the amount of sexualization in those magazines is really weird for a bunch of adults to be talking to 18 year olds like they're sexually active is kind of weird but then it's the same thing where like you can't ignore that it's going on so you might as well be transparent about it but um i don't know like ym i think it was so for like young and modern and i always felt like it was the juiciest like 17 it it went ym was the juiciest magazine you could get that didn't appear to be like overtly inappropriate 17 was more mature and then like cosmo was like the the holy grail like buying a cosmo under you know especially under 15 years old was like a who's who of every body part and slang term i had never heard of that i had to go ask friends who you know had older siblings that told them stuff i um was looking up a i just googled a cover of ym and it says how to talk to him 20 cool come-ons true love special confessions of romantic guys oh my god no it it, actually it's o-m-i-g-o-d one word oh my god my boyfriend gave me a gross disease best bikinis get gorgeous how to look and feel like a total babe by summer bad brad pitt's weird secret another freaky celeb gossip how Tiffany Ambertheson had to trash her own reputation. Mm, color me intrigued. I wish I could open this issue. This is from May nineteen ninety five. Um, I feel like everything when I was a teenager was just about like how to be skinny, how to be hot, how to do your makeup. What is this discharge like? When like stories of getting your period in class. Um, like it. It's funny to advertise and to try to talk to people that can't drive and don't have their own spending money isn't that like the funniest thing ever like how are you how you gonna sway a group of people with zero purchase power it's quite fascinating if you ask me oh my gosh now that i'm google imaging these covers i mean listen to these headlines go get him how to find true love the 50 hottest guys under the sun i love makeup Uh uh how the official get a guy guide guys exposed be a babe intimate advice hot 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 with Gavin Rothsdale. the 50 most beautiful guys on earth how to win his heart all about prom night 100 guys give you the dirt on dating guys tell all your perfect guy 50 guy mysteries guy secrets guys this is this is wild these these are all about guys this is so funny how to kiss a guy i definitely would have read that no one was kissing my expander gap-toothed mouth josh hotnet <laughs> i love a pun Ooh, private parts wow this is very male-centric and you know it's funny because i was like well why was i so obsessed with finding love was it boys to men was it in sync was it backstreet boys was it i'll never break your heart Was it misleading messaging about God must have spent a little more time on me, but now I think it was YM magazine, young and modern, more like too young and antiquated, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But I'm good one. Um, but I, Oh, I want to read these so bad. I can't even believe these headlines. Ooh, young miss magazine. Can't say I remember that. I do remember Cosmo girl. It wasn't scandalous enough for me after you get a, you take a hit of the real Cosmo. You you can't have the diluted version. You can't just read some really confusing article about 50 different forms of, like, heavy petting and be like, what? Pets? Animals? What does that mean? To then go back to just, you know, reading about lip glosses and glitter gels for your eyes. It's um uh, It's one of those things where, like, yes, it was too mature for my age, but I also did learn a lot and also... Was entertaining and I don't know. I think pretty much harmless. But now, like, what are kids doing? Downloading scandalous ebooks on their iPads? Good for them, because I left too much of a paper trail under my bed, and that's how I got in huge trouble. The scent of the perfume samples will tip anyone off, and really, those make no sense and should not be wasted on on you know Cosmo Girl and Teen and YM because Clinique be Happy your Bust, you know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna venture outside of Clinique Happy. That is a surefire, safe bet that has a great knockoff at the CVS that I can afford when I run out of the real bottle that I got in a miniature size in my stocking. That's like what's so crazy about being that age is like, I did not want to be different. I wanted to smell and look literally like everybody else, and that was like the the best version of myself. Now it's like if you hear your friend has something or a signature scent, you would never go near it. I actually wear a kind of more mature scented perfume by Prada. Um, And I also like Miss Dior Cherie, Um, but the one I currently have is a bootleg one I did buy in Chinatown in one of my, you know, less proud moments when I was just trying to save a buck, but I did indeed just buy a bunch of pink water that it kind of smells like Miss Dior Cherie and it has the beautiful bow packaging, but it fades in about, you know, a minute, so it's not really worth it. But when I spray it on before I go out, I, I, for a moment, feel like that awful commercial with uh, Charlize Theron, where she's like, she adore and has this really weird monologue. Perfume commercials are so stupid. I am so tired of people like Natalie Portman and Kristen Stewart wanting me to take them seriously as actors, but then being in an ad for perfume that... There's several Natalie Portman ones that are just true gems. One of my favorites is the Runaway Bride one where we're supposed to think she's like this strong feminist icon because she's in a Dior gown wearing Dior parfum and she runs away from her groom into a helicopter where she seems to romance the helicopter pilot. But all she's doing, she freaking called that helicopter prior to walking down the aisle, which is just really messed up. Like if a guy did that, he'd be a jerk. And I think a woman's a jerk too. If she abandoned someone at the altar and has Uber helicoptered in advance and then probably F's the pilot. Not cool. And then there's one that came out this past year where she, like... It's to the song Chandelier by Sia, which Sia is a goddess. I love her. I love chandelier. And um, it really just... It makes me want to live my days that I never did as, like, a true party girl in a grungy apartment wearing flannel, just, you know, uh, stringing together days with my friends because I don't have a job because I want to pursue my art, and God forbid I be a barista. I both, like... And I, I, I'm both irritated by and kind of romanticized like an, an entitled grunge, um, you know, like a, a, a privileged, tortured artist, kind of like rent. I love rent, but it's like you got to pay rent. Why are you complaining so much about it? Speaking of lighting my candle came on my random shuffle on my old iPod the other day. And oof, I was on a plane having to keep to myself. But I was just like, they say that I have the best ass below 14th Street is it true what you're staring again oh man love that i really need to find like a karaoke place where they only do show tunes and the crowd knows the music because doing show tunes at a normal karaoke bar is very very hit or miss but i want to do light my candle even though everyone typically does seasons of love i think a broadway loving crowd would get more out of light my candle Uh, I would want to do You Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray just to see if my lung capacity could handle it. I'd be interested in Les Mis, though you need an ensemble for some of the bigger songs, but I guess not for On My Own. I'd be interested in Defying Gravity, which I know is cliche, but how can you not? I'd be interested in... I mean, obviously, I've talked about doing, you know, My Shot, which is six minutes long, at a normal karaoke, which was a tough choice, but I think Satisfied would really do well at a show tunes bar. Um, I also wait for it would be a dream, but you really need a voice for that satisfied. You can kind of like rap toxing. Um, also if you had like a girl crew, the Skylar sisters would be pretty fun. Uh, which, okay, sorry. That was a a tangent. Why was I talking about show tunes? I was talking about rent. I was talking entitlement. I was talking about. Perfume commercials. (laughs) Is that right? Um, (laughs) Perfume and makeup commercials enrage me in a way I can't describe. They're, like, so necessary because, like, what would TV be without some, you know, beautiful woman with fake eyelashes on talking about mascara for real eyelashes being, like, these eyes, they mesmerize, they tantalize. You can't surmise how these eyes could mystify. And just, like, what? What does it even mean? And they, like, just put their two fingers, like, in a V-shape, and like just to open up their eye, like a lot of people on YouTube seem to think are symbolizing Illuminati, but I think in this case they really are trying to show off their left eye. I'm just like that; is, those aren't even those; those aren't aren't even your real lashes. How is this not false advertising? Like, if if you know those pharma commercials have to say actor portrayal when somebody's talking about they're moderate to severe chronic plaque psoriasis, then it should have to say eyelash portrayal because I don't believe that, you know, Maybelline's new Caterpillar line of big, bold, and beautiful mascaras actually makes my eyelashes look like that. It's very frustrating. But anyway, the other Dior Natalie Portman commercial that is really frustrating to me, uh, watching her do this as a Harvard graduate... As, you know, Princess Leia, as a more importantly of one of my favorite movies of all time of Garden State fame. Actually, I'm going to narrate this to you as I watched on YouTube. Okay, Sia's playing. She takes her sunglasses off. She says prove it really aggressively to her boyfriend. She jumps off the Santa Monica pier. She is running through the beach. She just jumped off a sofa. She just looked at me with a small drawing vibe. She is in Paris. She is throwing flowers. She just shoved her boyfriend again. She is screaming on a carousel. She just turned around. She's in a pink convertible. Somebody stroked her back. She is doing it with her boyfriend again. They're snuggling on a subway. She takes a pink convertible, spells out the word love in the sand inexplicably with pink dust. She seems to be having another sensual moment with her boyfriend. She now has a bold lip and a vintage sunglass. She is now in a ball gown, and all she says is, And you. What would you do for love? And now walks away and it says, Miss Dior, the no eau de parfum, Dior. What does that mean? What does that mean? What would I do for love? Oh, draw the word love in the sand with pink dust in my exhaust pipe as if I was going to the world's lamest gender reveal? I, like, what, what, what would I do for love? Like, <laughs> snuggle with my boyfriend, but then, like, push him and then jump off a sofa that ultimately makes me run off the Santa Monica appear in a ball gown? Why did she throw white roses at me twice? I just, like, what 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 is this messaging? And I have, why, do you think she, when she is looking at the storyboards for the ad, she's like, yes, that is perfect. I love that. It's cut from a shot of me topless to me screaming against a pole of a carousel. That is going to teach young women to vote. Or, like, whatever the hell they're getting across. I don't know, guys. I mean, I guess I couldn't turn down a major promotion myself. It's just you would assume... If you have real star power, you have a little bit more creative control than Charlize Theron, who has survived immense amounts of trauma from her childhood in South Africa to then just, you know, be wearing gold gowns, ripping off her necklace while she aggressively walks toward the camera in the name of perfume. Then there's this one that's called The Absolute Femininity. It's of Dior film. And she says... Actually, I'm going to play it because I don't think it worked for me to narrate to you while I was watching (laughs) I touch the rain. I look at the sun. And it says, run. The light shivers offshore through the tides of oceans. We are shining in the rising sun. I watch it all turn. The water, the earth, the sun and me. What does that mean that's that's called a new film absolute femininity that has 23.7 million views i could write i could write compared to that i am maya angelou compared to that i am keats i i am like i could write the most amazing poem about femininity that's not the moon the sun the stars water me i run what like is that that is what's getting millions and millions of views that, that is F.U. Perfume Money is writing copy that literally is, reads like Goodnight Moon. I, I, I just I don't understand why where people's perception of quality comes from. How was this called a film? Oh, guys, I need to stop complaining. You know what? I think I might wrap up early this week. It's, it's Tuesday. Still got a lot of work to do. And at this point, I am just... I don't even know what I'm talking about. So, um, what did I start with today? Oh, stiletto pumps in the club. This was a kind of actually a fun, unexpected, girly episode. Just like how YM Magazine, you know, typecasts us women to only care about lipstick. I only talked about celeb gossip, American Girl dolls, uh, the city, gossip girl, makeup commercials, perfume commercials, then reading magazines. That is me as a person, I guess. I am just here to bring you the hard-hitting, late-breaking, and by late-breaking, I mean 1995 to 1998 news. Um, But since I started with Stiletto Pumps in the Club, maybe I'll end with, like, um, I like that. Remember that Lip Gloss is Poppin' song? That was kind of good. Or maybe mm, it's about, like, clothes or shoes. Oh my gosh, she, ugh, I'm not a Shakira fan outside of whenever, wherever. Case in point, She Wolf. Case in point, relevant to my previous point. Underneath your clothes. That song sucks. Underneath your clothes, there's an endless story. <laughs> um. Also unrelated, do you remember when Christina Aguilera and Ricky Martin did a duet called "Nobody Wants to Be Lonely" and they thought it was going to be like the, you know, Celine Dion, Peebo Bryson of our, our time, and it just like was not any good. And this was before we knew Ricky Martin was gay, but we definitely knew he was gay. Actually, I think I might throw this. I might throw this one to RuPaul. I've heard that RuPaul's Drag Race is one of the finest reality shows on television, and I haven't watched it yet. And, and please reiterate to me that if this is something you think I need to be watching, because I lived for work supermodel in the 90s. I mean, like. I just I, I was obsessed with watching pageants. I was obsessed with like all of the supermodels wouldn't get out of bed for less than ten thousand dollars. Like I live for this fashion, beauty, fancy world that I just assumed I would always be so far removed from. And while I still am far removed from it, I do feel like I can, you know, contour, bright and bake and conceal with the best of them. And sometimes I do like to play supermodel parentheses. You better work and just channel my 90s girly girl self that always hoped that I would get to be an adult that got to do all these fun things the max magazines talked about so I'll let RuPaul take it away from here but please you know always give me your feedback send me a dm on instagram email kate at dot com. I still have not worked out the pricing and the information for people that have been reached out to me about advertising on the podcast because I want to do it right and I want to have metrics and things behind the numbers and I just haven't had time because I'm a one-woman show and if anybody wants to be my intern please also email kate at dot 5com um because I'm yeah time is of the essence um if you want to hear uh, my journal entries that I've been reading on Patreon and all the back bonus episodes, like all the juicy Taylor and Carly, you know, dating conspiracies and all that stuff, go to patreon.com backslash be there in five. It's $1 a month. It's simply a paywall just to kind of let in major fans of the podcast and keep out people that uh, just like The Bachelor are not there for the right reasons. And um, also this week, I'm going to read the entry that I have not read yet of after I meet Greg. Um, so I'm interested to see what I say, like after our first few dates. And if I, you know, knew he was in it to win it. Uh, probably not. I'm going to guess I was in it to win it. And he was like, yeah, you're fine. Um, <laughs> story of my life. Uh, but yeah, please subscribe, rate, review. If I'd be there in five tour mats, artwork, you name it, I can make it i'm working on trying to make a custom in-home escape room blueprint because a couple people asked me for them after my anniversary in-home escape room and i'm just like guys it's not hard you buy some invisible ink, you buy a cryptex you get a box that's really difficult to open you film some videos on your ipad pre-recorded that they have to tap you hide things around your house you make buns out of your household items it's very simple but when i say that i realize oh yeah this did take me several hours and if i could combine my knowledge into a a simple PDF that costs a small amount of money and pre-write some of your rhymes for you that have to do with everyday household items that you definitely have, like a fridge, like some spirits. Why the heck not? You know, I really am trying to come from a place of yes. a la Bethany Frankel. And um, that's how it all comes full circle. That was the first thing I talked about on the podcast and the last. (sighs) Keeping you in my thoughts, Bethany. Love you tons. Um, All right, guys. Hope you have a great week. And as always, as somebody very wise once told me, sachet chante just kidding <laughs> let me know your thoughts and i'll let you know mine i'll be there in 5 i swear